Welcome to another episode of Conversations with Lamp. I'm your host, James Lampion. And my guest today is a returning guest. Um, I always enjoy talking with this brother because he has great perspective on things. Mr. Jay Foster, thank you for joining me. What's going on, man? How you doing? Thanks thanks for inviting me back. Appreciate the conversation. Hey, brother, it's always an honor and pleasure to get you on the platform. It truly is. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I appreciate the opportunity, man. Always a good discussion. Yes, sir. How's everything going? Uh, everything's going good, man. Work is good. You know, uh, staying in, on top of my education, watching the world go crazy a little bit. Um, but, uh, you know, all in all, man, blessed, man. Can't complain at all. Did you, you, you back in school? Yeah. So I, I, for me and my, my industry, it's best to get certifications. So we have to constantly keep getting certification credits and continuing education. Um, as well as, you know, I was, th- I was thinking about dabbling and going back and get my master's, but I just haven't got around to it yet. <laughs> <laughs> what, what's going to influence that decision? Cause that's going to take a lot of time. Um, really it's, it's just, uh, for my industry, my industry puts more credit, uh, credibility into certifications and not necessarily degrees. Degrees are helpful. Um, but it doesn't necessarily translate to additional revenue and, you know, ROI. So I just stick with the certifications. So if it, if it doesn't, so if the certs are more important, why I'm going to say why waste time, but why go through, cause it's going to take a lot of time. I'm sure you know, to get a master. So why go through that? If it's not really, you know, it's kind of like one of my, my, my parents have always kind of stressed education to me and, and getting a master's degree was, you know, all of my siblings now are either in school or they got their master's now. So I'm like the only one that doesn't. Um, but, you know, our industries are kind of similar. Uh, so it's kind of like, you know, can I show myself and kind of prove it to myself to put in that dedication and be disciplined enough to, you know, write term papers and, you know, balance with work-life schedule with, you know, all the other different things I dabble my time into. So uh, it would just be a, uh, an additional challenge for me. It wouldn't, it wouldn't necessarily translate to anything financially that would be helpful. I'm a, I remember last time we talked, am I, am I correct? You got like eight siblings, right? I have, uh, yeah. So my father, my father has, uh, I have, uh, one, two, I got counter mail. <laughs> I have, uh, Three older sisters. I have a younger sister. I have a younger brother, and I had an older brother, but he passed away. So oh, yeah, eight, yeah. And they all had masters. No, 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 no. My uh, so my father had. I those are my step siblings. A lot of them. Uh, my direct um, siblings were, you know, my mother, my with my mother, and my father. Um, all of them are either in school to have their masters, or they. Um, pursuing their master's degree currently. Oh, okay, okay, okay. So that's only four. That's only four people we talked about. <laughs> well, I mean, that's I mean, that's that's still a very impressive number, four. I mean, yeah, yeah, yeah. My mom was really, my parents, both of them, really, really stressed education, and they thought that that was the the kind of uh, door to opportunity uh, for for uh, advancement and and kind of knowing the world and understanding what. Um, the ins and outs of how to manage yourself in the world and always give you a chance if you are educated. So uh, they always stressed it. You know, it's funny you mentioned that. I'm going to ask, um, was go- was not going to college even an option for you? No, no, uh-uh, no. Um, I thought about taking a, a, a year off 
Um, I remember I pitched that idea to my mother like it was yesterday. Um, I, had like a, I had to come up with like a PowerPoint presentation and what I was going to do during that period of time and, and all that other stuff. And even in the lapses in which I didn't go to school, um, she was like, you can at least take one class, right? You could at least learn something. Um, so it wasn't that I was completely out of college or, you know, kind of took breaks from college. Um, but I always took at least one class. She was, she wasn't going to hear that. I wasn't going to take no classes or take a semester off. That was not a, that wasn't an option. <laughs> oh, so you didn't, you didn't go. So when you first graduated, you didn't go full-time. So when I first went, when I first graduated from high school, I went full-time. I went full-time for about a year and a half, maybe two years. Um, and then I started working. Um, I was real focused on um, cre- increasing my financial position. Uh, so I started working a lot. I became, I got promoted at my job. I was working at Best Buy, ironically. Um, so I was like, you know, I went from like sales associate to team lead to supervisor to manager um, within a, I would probably say a six month to probably a year's time frame. Um, so me going to class was impacting my, uh, at the time, my career, my financial situation. Um, you know, I, I didn't come from a very established household. So um, we did okay. We did, we did as good as we could. Um, but, you know, there were certain things that as a young man, you want to buy, you want to buy, you want to buy a car, you want to be able to take a woman out on a date, you want to be able to do certain things. So um, to me, that meant you got to go to work, it's either that or you sell drugs. So um, uh, I went to, uh, I started going to work and my work schedule incorporated so much of my time that I couldn't go to school. Um, I would wow. miss classes or skip classes or um, have to drop out because, you know, work was, was so demanding. Was there, was there ever a time? Cause I know you said you never, cause there wasn't a time you never considered not going, but was there ever a time where you considered dropping out? Plenty. I actually, I actually was, uh, adamant against people that was going like, um, I thought it was a, I thought college was a, a hustle. Like I thought that, you know, people were going, they were getting an education or at least claiming that they were getting an education. They end up, you know, 50, 60, $70,000 in debt, if not more than $30,000 in debt. They can't get a job in their industry or what they went to school for. Um, they wouldn't be able to, you know, buy a house or buy a car or, you know, got the financial literacy that, you know, kind of the world, the real world teaches you. Um, and the teachers and the professors we're not keeping up to date with the, you know, the latest and greatest of things, the technology or, or curriculum or different things like that. So I was like, you know, why, why waste your money? You know, and um, it didn't, it took me until uh, I actually met with uh, my manager at the time. His name is Scott Tavija. Never forget him, man. He's a great dude. Um, he sat me down one day and um, literally said, you know, Hey John, you got a lot of potential, man. And, you know, if you stay on a career trajectory that you're on, you'll end up being exactly like me. And I can't get an interview because I don't have a degree in certain jobs and certain industries that I want to really, really pursue. Um, he was like, but you're better than me. And I'm going to make sure that you're better than me. And he was like, I understand that you got to work, that you work, 
I understand that you got to pay bills. I understand that you got, you know, financial responsibilities. You're taking care of a couple folks. Um, but I'm going to help you get the time and the space necessary to go back to school, get your degree, and then you'll tell me. And then after you get your degree and you get your job, take me out to lunch and tell me what your life is like then. And uh, wow. I did exactly that. And um, I mean, that man is a, a cornerstone uh, in my, you know, kind of, life timeline to this day you know, we, we still talk every now and again um and he couldn't be any more proud of me than uh, i probably am of myself probably my mother is probably this you know uh number one as far as proud and my, my pops of course but um but he's right up there he's he's equally as happy with the success that uh that he told me wow it's it's amazing that he saw that in you and not only just seeing it he actually took the time to communicate that he said, because sometimes we can see things in people, but not tell them we see it. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. And sometimes we see, we see way better than, than they can see themselves because we see them interact in certain, certain settings and we, um, we evaluate their potential. You know, uh, I had a good friend of mine. He actually is my best friend uh, told me, you know, I don't train everybody. I train prodigies. Right. So, Sometimes people don't understand the gift that they have and how to cultivate it or how to enhance it or, or make it more um, marketable. Um, so that way it benefits not only them, but whoever else they want to, to have in their circle. And, um, you know, it's really what you put out there in the universe. If you put it out there in the universe, um, it usually generally tends to respond in kind and, and uh, people don't let talent just kind of walk away. So. People just need to realize the talent within themselves and and put it out there for the world to see. I tell you this, I like I said in the beginning, I always love talking to you because you always make me think. Whenever you say something, I I'm always thinking, okay, like he said this, so where was he going with this? Like you're one of the few people who make me think. What do you? I want to make sure that I say this right. What what do you feel your gifts are? I feel like I have a gift of <laughs> my, my friend would say I have the gift of gab, but I, I feel like I can communicate and I can communicate on varying levels, right? So regardless of what your understanding is, as long as we're both speaking English and I'm trying to learn other languages as we speak, but um I can basically make anything of a complex nature relatable to you in a way that you can understand and you can grasp it and you can take it and enhance it. You can, you know, manifest it. You can do a lot of different things with it. And draw, and by me being able to draw those correlations and, and being able to articulate it in a way and in a fashion that is palatable is really what my gift has been up until this point. Now, we always, we always try to enhance and make that more dynamic and diverse in our skill set you know i'm working on my health i'm working on my you know my technical acumen for because i do it i'm working on you know um, business processes and different analytics and stuff like that but my main thing my main skill uh has been up until this point is the way that i articulate myself the way that i articulate a topic or uh, a situation and make it very very palatable regardless of who I'm talking to. I could talk tech to the tech people. I could talk nerd to the nerd people. I could talk 
uh, high level and sophisticated to people who are not in IT at all. I could talk business with the business people. I could talk stock with the stock people. I could talk golf with golfers. I could, I'm very diverse in my palette of communication. Um, I know enough to be respected and then uh, you respect my insight or my suggestions and my opinion. Um, and you also don't feel like I'm the smartest guy in the room. So you'll take me underneath of your wing or you'll talk to me and you'll have a conversation with me and you'll educate me to even more. And then I'll, you know, take that information into my memory bank and my skill set, and then I'll disperse it out when necessary. In your line of work, do you feel like you get the opportunities to use your gifts? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Okay. They would they would not pay me if I wasn't able to talk the way I talk. <laughs> <laughs> That's why they used to say, like, you know, that's why they pay you the big bucks. I know exactly what pays me the big bucks is the way that I the way that I process things mentally and the way that I articulate it. Because a lot of people are really, really smart, but they can't articulate themselves. So they struggle, they run into different um kind of whether it be social issues or uh communication issues, or they seem aloof at certain times. You have to be able to translate translate and communicate your your genius or your your intelligence and communication, being able to say this is like, or this has that so that you will, um, makes it relatable to people and they can understand um, a very complex or uh, difficult concept. We were texting um, a couple months back mm -hmm. and you used the term cultural conditioning. And I'm gonna be honest, I had never heard of it. So I uh -huh. wanted you to, <laughs> I wanted to give you this opportunity to, to, to tell me the definition of, and actually tell me and the listeners, what is the definition of cultural conditioning? So without looking at Webster's right now, my definition of cultural conditioning is that when you are brought up into this world, right? And you are, you know, around uh, cer certain social climates or cultural climates, right? You are conditioned to think feel, respond a particular way based off of the society and the culture that you were brought up in. A, a main, uh, <clears throat> excuse me, a main attribute of cultural conditioning is that men are not supposed to cry, right? Men are supposed to be tough. Men are supposed to be hard. And men, men are not supposed to have a sensitive side because that shows weakness and so on and so forth. That's cultural conditioning um, because there is no standard of which a man is measured by not crying or not being sensitive or not having, not being empathetic or being constantly aggressive. There's no association to that as being the definition of being a man. So our culture and society has basically put these kind of traits and these characteristic, characteristical palettes in front of us. And we've just consumed them over years and years and years and years so we consider them to be normal. So another thing of like cultural conditioning, and this is probably going to jump into um, a, a streamline another lightning rod of a conversation, but is that all black people have to be Democrats or that all, you know, um, black people listen to rap music, you know, and then, or that, you know, you can't have, uh, you know, since you can't have certain tastes in music or literature or, you know, behaviors because of your, the color of your skin or where you grew up or something to that effect. Like I'm from Baltimore. 
And, you know, if you're very familiar with Baltimore, the stuff like that, there's a lot of characteristics that people like to make fun of. And some of those things hold true. That, that's part of my culture. That's part of the, the environment in which I was raised. But I don't talk like a Baltimore person. Any person that's not, that has been to Baltimore who has talked to me, would last the last place that they would suspect that they would say I was from was Baltimore because they've been conditioned based off of things that they've seen on TV, based off of, you know, friends or, you know, things that they've heard that Baltimore people act a particular way. And in some instances, they do because of the cultural conditioning, the environment that they grew up in, the things that they were surrounded by as they were, you know, in the progression um, of maturity. So that's what I mean by cultural condition is literally the environment that you grew up in, the, the, you know, anecdotes from your parents that you constantly heard over and over and over and over again. And um, they became, you've heard them so much that you attributed it to being a part of your life's outcome or your life's trajectory because you've heard it so much. You don't know anything else other than that. Mm. Well, let me tell you something. I appreciate you introducing it to me because I mm. <laughs> I never heard it. And when you texted to me, I was like, I was walking, so I couldn't ask you because, <laughs> listen, I know how you are and you're going to give me great answers. So I was like, right. <laughs> I'm not going to ask him now because when I ask him, I want to be able to absorb everything he tells me. So sometimes yeah. I'm going to be, it's funny because I love talking to you, right? Mm -hmm. But I don't like talking to you when I'm walking. I had to learn that <laughs> because I Because I, I, like I said, man, I think you're a brilliant man. So I really value your input. I value how you see things. So it's like, I don't want to be walking and reading the text because I can't really take in everything you're saying. So right. I purposely didn't ask you at the time what it meant because I was like, I wanted to, I wanted you to tell me because I knew you was going to go in depth, which I really wanted to hear. Right. And I didn't want a half-ass, I mean, you wasn't <laughs> going to give me no half-ass answer. Right. Because I wasn't paying attention, I would have half-ass absorbed it. So that's what I wanted to make sure. I, I feel you. Sometimes you gotta be like, "Wait a minute, I, I gotta I, give me a second. Let me digest this whole thing first, and then I come back with you with question." I get it. I, I'm in the same boat sometimes, man. I do too. <laughs> and you asked me. It's funny. The same day you asked me, um, we was talking about some things, mm -hmm. and you asked me a question. So I'm going to ask you the questions you asked me. Okay. Do we overvalue the struggle as a black community? Yeah, I, I think I think to a to a certain aspect we do, right? So we'll give more credit <clears throat> to, um, and I'm not saying, and I'm and I'm making some assumptions here. So let me put this disclaimer out there. I'm making some assumptions. I'm talking logically, and I'm talking about based off my life experience. So please don't come at me in the comments, right? <laughs> <laughs> So, but what I'm saying is, is that we will generally tend to give credit to some people that have overcome the struggle and they overcame the struggle unnecessarily, right? So there have been times in our history as a culture, as a black culture, in which we had no other resource to get out of the circumstance that we were in besides struggling, right? But some people will make personal choices 
and struggle unnecessarily. It's a personal choice you made. You either decided to, you know, like for instance, for me, if I went, if I didn't go to school, right, I had an opportunity to go to college. I was afforded that opportunity. If I chose not to go to school and then I went to, you know, let's say for instance, uh, I went to go sell drugs or something like that to feed my family, to help out with my household. And then I went to prison and then I came out and so on and so forth. I would get a cookout for overcoming a struggle that I chose, right? I chose that, right? I didn't choose to go to college because of, you know, whatever reason I wasn't disciplined, different life stuff going on, whatever the circumstance may have been, right? So I chose to struggle unnecessarily and people will give me credit for struggling, overcoming the struggle unnecessarily. I did not have to go that way, right? And what we generally tend to do as a culture, we generally tend to celebrate and praise people who come through on, uh, you know, unrealistic or what we would consider to be impossible circumstances. But we don't give credit to the people who made the right decision, who chose not to to pass off the struggle to the next generation and got a head start because because of the choices that their, you know, their legacy had made, their parents, their grandparents, and so on and so forth. So I'll give you a good example, right? So LeBron James, um, you know, come from a single parent household, developed himself into the NBA, became a superstar player, you know, put his friends on his back, you know, and got them educated and and they, you know, went on to do great things. They got educated and went on to do, do great things, right? We as a culture will celebrate LeBron because he came from a single parent household, he played basketball, and then, you know, he took, you know, the heights that he took it to, right? but we won't give credit to a dude like Kobe Bryant, right? Because he had both of his parents. He didn't come from a single parent household. He grew up in Philadelphia. He went overseas. His father played basketball and he was able to achieve a great deal of success in multiple industries, just like LeBron James. But as a culture, we may not give as much credit to Kobe Bryant because we feel like he got a head start. He didn't have to struggle as much, right? And us as a culture, as a black culture, we seem to identify more with the struggle than more than relating to or trying to aspire to get to the level of success, right? Anthony Davis is another good example. Anthony Davis got both of his parents, right? He, you know, he grew up in Chicago. You know, Chicago's notoriously known to be a, you know, a, a rough area and so on and so forth. But he had both of his parents. He went to Kentucky. He didn't graduate from Kentucky, but he was a number one draft pick. He went to New Orleans. He, you know, then went to the Lakers and then, you know, uh, started doing uh, other business ventures and so on and so forth. But we want to attribute the same, you know, hooray and celebration and annotation and um, um, success to Anthony Davis as we do LeBron James. Because we figure that, oh, that's what you're supposed to do. You had both your parents. You're supposed to be up here. That's mm-hmm. where you're supposed to be. That's where your race is supposed to start. And we don't we don't necessarily give enough credit to the people that started a little bit further ahead of the line because uh, for whatever reason, because we we can't identify or we don't feel as though they struggled as much. But we definitely attach the same uh, responsibility socially, economically, um, in the 
uh, responsibility for paying it forward as we do LeBron James. You see what I'm saying? Yeah, that, and that's and that's real interesting. Um, I think too. I think one thing you can consider mm-hmm. is you when 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 a person is when they don't have you know when they don't have all the resources that another person has, mm-hmm. maybe they're more visible to more people. Mm-hmm. That I think that's something to consider, but. I definitely hear what you're saying though, because you're right. Like the Kobe Bryant one is 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 the one that really sticks out because, like you said, I think we I think more people know Kobe Bryant's story than Anthony Davis. Right. I think that's why his stands out a little more. Right. And 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 Kobe was just so different mentally. Like right. I, I don't. I think I, it took. The, the sad thing is, it took people. It took him dying for people to realize how intelligent he is, like how mentally driven he is. Right. I mean, that, that's what set him apart. Like the great ones, it's, it's all mental. Like they have the, the physical attributes. A lot of people have that, but it's that mental that's going to get you over the top. Absolutely. And, and we don't give him credit for being as affluent, for being smart as he, as he should have been, right? He figured out how to hone his craft and master his game and speak different languages and, you know, stay committed to a, you know, his, his wife and, you know, be a, you know, what they popular term now since he passed is a girl dad. Right. And, you know, you know, making progress in women's sports and, 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 you know, having global popularity the way that he does the way that he did, you know, we don't give him credit for doing all of that because, he started what we would consider, what some would consider, ahead of the line, right? But he he took advantage of every single opportunity that he was given, and he gave it back to everybody who wanted a piece of it. You know what I'm saying? And that's really what we should really be focused on. What I feel like we should focus on as a culture is that, you know, as long as they're giving it back to anybody who, any and everybody, and providing those same opportunities to people who are who are not heard, not as franchised, uh, uh, have been disenfranchised and, and, and their voices can't be heard, then we should celebrate them regardless of where they started in line, you know? And I feel I felt like that was one of the things that set a dude like Kobe Bryant, who's my favorite player, that I have some bias in this, right? Um, set him apart from everybody else because not only was he a great player, he spoke multiple languages. He was, you know, he was philanthropic in his, you know, his effort for women's sports and, and the things that he did to, you know, kind of move the needle in, in that arena, you know, and bringing publicity to the women's game and, and breaking down the fundamentals to, to, to explain to current NBA players that the girl over there, Sue Bird, is a better point guard than you because she can do these things. I don't care what you say, <laughs> Devin Booker, right? Because so, <laughs> it's about the fundamentals. So we we don't give people credit for educating themselves, putting their mind in a mental space because we don't feel like, oh, you didn't have to overcome not having a dad. Or you didn't have to overcome, you know, being in the back of the line and all of that other stuff. You, you should really celebrate what, it, what they did once they got the opportunity and how they took advantage of it as opposed to, you know, criticizing somebody for not starting in the back of the line 
where either you were in front of them or they was even behind, you know, some of the, you know, the worst, you know, the badder situations that um, are out there. And um, we don't give, we don't give, and we don't celebrate those people enough. And we, and unfortunately, we really don't celebrate them until they're gone, yeah. right? Until yeah. we're not getting additional content from them, until we're not learning additional lessons from them, until we're not, you know, um, having their ear to tug on. I thought it was really cool. I was like, well, what if LeBron James spoke five different languages? I don't know if he does or he doesn't, but, you know, wouldn't it be cool if he was just as globally diverse and speaking as many languages as Kobe was, right? And that's when, that's where I feel like cultural conditioning comes in, right? Cultural conditioning will say, well, if you're born in the United States, the only language that you really need to speak is English, right? <laughs> and even if you travel internationally, you know, even if you went to Russia or something like that, you're going, you're not even going to try to learn Russian. You're just going to say, give me somebody who speaks English. <laughs> That's kind of, and that's cultural conditioning is that we are the dominant, you know, quote unquote, we're the dominant nation, uh, the dominant country, and you will speak what I speak. You'll speak mm -hmm. what, what we speak to make me feel comfortable because, you know, that's that's the kind of entitlement that we kind of walk around and we, um, we lament, right? Whereas people in other countries like, you know, South America, Europe, Africa, you know, Asia and so on and so forth, they speak four or five different languages, right? They got four or five different languages in their own, in their, in, in their geographical region. So they not only know how to speak English, they know how to speak, you know, Chinese, they know how to speak Japanese, they know how to speak, um, you know, uh, Spanish in some instances and stuff like that. So why do we just stop at being who we are and not trying to better ourselves to be more dynamic and diverse, you know? Um, you know, and I, and I don't want to go off on a little tangent here, but like I had a friend of mine, he's from Nigeria, love him to death, man. I ain't going to say his name because I don't want, I don't want people to come at him either. But he, uh, he, he told me that uh, a lot of times when, when you come to the, when he came to the United States, and he interacted with a people, a lot of different people from the United States, the United States kind of culture was I'm good with being good enough, right? If you're good enough, that's it. I don't have to take it any further than that. But in other instances, we do not want to take that additional step or two to try to be the best at something, right? And when somebody tries to be the best at something, we lament them for trying to be too good or trying to, you know, be too well-rounded or too perfect or too whatever, whereas all they've decided to do is that they wanted to be the best at everything that they did. Why is that a bad thing? That should be the goal, the life mission of everyone, not just to be good enough. You know what I mean? Like some people will lose weight and I'll use this as an example. Some people will lose weight, they'll lose 20 pounds and be like, I'm good. I lost 20 pounds, <laughs> right? But you don't want to try to take the actual goal of being as fit as you've ever been in your whole life and trying to maintain yeah. that. You'll just say, hey, look, all I'm trying to do here is lose 20 pounds. <laughs> yeah, I'm guilty of that one. <laughs> no, I mean, we all are, we all are. But that's, the, but that's, that's what becomes problematic because we get good at, we get satisfied with being good enough and not trying to be the best at anything. We're not, we're not challenging ourselves mentally, emotionally, physically, 
you know, theoretically or whatever, to push the envelope as far as it possibly can go to see whether or not we can reach uh, what some would consider self-actualization, right? I'm the best that I could possibly be with what I have available to me, right? And and we we should strive to all do that. We should strive to be the best person that we possibly can be. Um, and does that come with collateral damage? Absolutely. But there's nothing wrong with playing with the equation to figure out exactly what the best looks like for you and taking it to that level um, for at least one time in our very short lives. Because life is short. Life is short. Excuse me. Life is short. So we should at least at one point in time in our life say, at this point in time in my life, I was the fittest I've ever been. I was the smartest that I ever was. I was the most in shape that I could have ever been. I made the most money that I possibly could. I did everything that I, everything that I touched, I tried to do to maximize my capacity in that regard. And to me, that's a full life. That's mm. my two cents. We talked about, you talked about, um, when, when, we, when I did an introduction, you talked about you were investing. Um, mm -hmm. How important is that? Uh, you're talking about stock investment or just investing, period? Um, but period, period. Okay. So I always viewed life uh, since I was maybe about, you know, 14, 15 years old. My mother dropped this term on me. Uh, when I was cutting up in school, she said, I don't send you to school for, you know, just education. I want to return on my investment. Right. Uh, so she, I was like, huh, man, I'm 13 years old. I'm like, I don't even know what a return on investment is. Right. <laughs> so <laughs> I'm like, R, she was like, ROI. Right. Um, so I had to look it up, you know, and that's 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 where you basically invest something. You invest time, energy, money, um, passion, consideration, whatever it is, into something, and you want to make sure that 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 investment, that the thing that you put out, is recouped back to you. If not, you know, if not broken even, at least profitable, right? That's the goal. I've, I, for instance, for me, I pay for my kids' education to go to a private school and the return on investment is that she's getting educated in subjects that I feel as though are necessary to make her competitive in the real world and in the job market. So that way she can get a good job. And that's the only way that I get a return on investment. I'm not paying for her to go to school just so that way she can get a quote unquote education, right? I'm paying so that way she can be competitive in the job market. She can get a good job and she can take care of herself. And then hopefully she becomes so successful if she uh, attributes the Mamba mentality or whatever um, to, <laughs> to be so profitable that she could take care of me one day, right? That's a return on investment. So when I talk about making, whether it be financially with stocks, whether it be emotionally connected with people, whether it be, um, you know, as far as education and so on and so forth, Everything that you should that you do should yield a return on investment. You know, people say things like, "Oh, you need to cut a you need to cut anybody out of your life that do, that brings you negative energy." Right? You should because they're bringing you a negative return on investment. You're investing more in them than they're giving back to you. 
you know, same thing with education. I kind of talked about it a little earlier when I was like, well, I didn't see the school was giving me a return on investment. And then when we were talking about getting a master's degree and so on and so forth, I was like, in my particular industry, the return on investment for me, me getting that is relatively low, right? It's better if I, I get a higher return on investment if I get certifications, right? PMPs, you know, security plus certs, things like that. That is more in line with my industry and that gives me a higher return on investment. So why not do that? Why, why not maximize my return on investment, um, whether it be time, energy, money, or, or sacrifices and stuff like that? If I'm going to pull my time away from my daughter, then I need, to, I need to make sure that I'm getting a return on investment. If I'm going to spend my money, I need to make sure I get a return on investment. If I'm going <laughs> to waste my, you know, my time, then you know, don't just talk to me you know, about a business plan or an idea that you want to do. And I know that you're not going to do the work. You're wasting my time. You're wasting my energy. You're wasting my, you know, my, my brain capability and my, and my emotion to seeing it succeed. I'm not getting a return on investment. I'm not going to continue to partake in it or I shouldn't partake in it to begin with. So that's what I mean by investing. Making sure that you invest in things that give you a positive return so that way, at the end of the day, whether it's short term, long term, or what have you, you at least feel like you got something beneficial out of it outside of, I just learned something. I learned a lesson. I learned a valuable lesson. Don't trust somebody who, you know, has their fingers crossed behind their back, right? Like, <laughs> you know, don't trust somebody who, you know, who's standing on a corner with a street sign saying, I need... I need food and thinking that they really need food, right? Um, uh, and then when you give them a sandwich, they throw it at you like, oh, I, I need money, right? Yeah. So um, making sure that you invest your time, energy, finances, and whatever it is that you have at your disposal, making sure that you invest it properly so that you get an accurate return. Hey, listen, man, I truly, truly thank you for doing this, man. Listen, I'm... I told you in the beginning, I'll tell you again, every time I talk, man, every time we have a conversation, I'm just, I just enjoy sitting back, listening, picking your brain and hearing your perspective. Um, you, you are truly one of the brilliant ones, man. And I hope you continue to, you know, teach and educate because I think you got a lot to offer, man. And I hope you continue to use it. Oh, I appreciate that, man. I'm going a, I'm to a, I'm a go into teaching once I get this money first, but... <laughs> <laughs> I'll go to teach it. Was like, yeah, I gotta get this money first and make sure the the baby girl is straight. So um, after that, I'll, I'll start, you know, teaching more. But I, I I always try to use like I, I appreciate the platform that you've created because that educates. That's that's education. That's you know starting a conversation and having that dialogue. Um, so it gives me it fulfills a, a certain area of my life uh, in the teaching aspect to basically say well. I'm not just going to keep all this information or this intellect or this perspective with myself. I'm going to share it with as many people as I possibly can. And hopefully they get something out of it that may motivate them, may inspire them, or may make them think like you always say, like I make you think, um, make you think about something slightly, maybe in a different way. And, um, you know, I appreciate, you know, you 
uh, creating this platform and and us, you know, we we have our text conversations, we talk on this on this thing, and we we also um, have our chats, and um, those have been very fruitful for me and and have helped me out a lot, um, and I gain a lot of perspective from it. So, um, thanks, I appreciate. Hey, man, it, man, I appreciate your words, man. Again. I appreciate everything, man, and, and and my platform is always gonna be open. I'm a, if I got something going, I'm gonna make I'm gonna do my best to clear the schedule and get you <laughs> get you on, man, because because I, I I enjoy your perspective and I'm sure everybody that's listening enjoys it as well. Uh, I appreciate that, man. Oh, and by the way, I'm gonna go start a, a little clubhouse joint um, to talk about investing, um, not only stocks but just period. Um, I think I sent you that. Um, so I'll be, you know, look out for me on Clubhouse, JFOSS24, um, I believe my tag is, and, um, you know, be a part of the conversation. You know, I would love to get additional insight. Tell me where I'm right. Tell me where I'm wrong. Tell me what, you know, we can work on. Tell me what we can help each other with and build on. And, um, you know, we'll take it from there. Let's see see what we can do is push it, push the needle as far as we possibly can. That's what we owe everybody who comes after us. Will do. Will do. Again, man, thank you so much. And, and I wish you all the best, man. I know you got some great things ahead, but, you know, I'm wishing you the best because I know it's a lot coming for. It's a lot coming your way and I'm looking forward to seeing it. Uh, man, appreciate it, man. You know, you'll be in the loop. <laughs> <laughs> I appreciate it. I want to take this time to thank everyone who's listened to the podcast, um, your support. I truly appreciate it. Um, you continue. You could you can continue to listen to the podcast on SoundCloud and Apple Podcasts. Make sure you subscribe, like, and leave a review if you if you feel so led to do. Um, you can follow me on Instagram at conversations underscore with underscore lamp. And I'm also on Facebook at conversations with lamp. Again, thank you all for listening. Your continuous support. You all have a great day.